You are listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy, and is recorded at the Francis Roy office in Valparaiso, Florida. A lineup of guests, friends, and mentors candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. Come back weekly for new episodes, never to exceed 30 minutes. This podcast is an easy addition to your playlist of favorites. Let's get started with this week's guest. Hello, you're listening to Hello Francis. I'm your host, Chantel Dedeke, and this week we have a really interesting guest. I think you guys are going to find him so interesting because I personally find him uh, very interesting. So I'll give you a little background before I tell you who he is. So much great information. Might be the most organized and prepared podcast guest we ever had. So I hope I'm not uh, setting him up too much. But today I have Paul Brightman and he's retired. But if you meet him in person, you wouldn't think that he's retired because he's so active and engaged. But formerly the assistant vice president of Princeton University Services at Princeton University and serves as an organizational consultant. Thanks for being with me here today, Paul. Hey, Chantel, how are you? I'm really good. I'm excited to interview you on this sunny but rainy day in Florida. It's a paradox. (laughs) Today, you and I are going to discuss, and actually you're going to talk and I'm going to learn about this idea of creating, you and I have you know, discuss a little bit dynamic, but also vibrant organizations. That's really your area of expertise. And I'm just so intrigued by it. But before we get started with that, can you give us a little bit about your 43-year career in higher education and what makes you just super qualified for this topic? Well, thank you so much again for having me as part of the podcast. I was fortunate enough to spend 43 years uh, in higher education administration leading and creating dynamic entrepreneurial teams and organizations within not-for-profit and non-entrepreneurial academic institutions, which really was a unique challenge to make an organization uh, dynamic and to be adaptive within an institution that really is hierarchical and academic very conservative. But uh, so that was that was the challenge that I had. Uh, the last 15 years of my career, I spent, as you said, at Princeton University, where I created, built, and led a new organization at an institution uh, like Princeton called University Services. And it began in 2008. And it was an opportunity in the midst of a recession to look at the institution organization and to bring disparate units together for synergy, purposes of synergy and collaboration and gave us the opportunity to maximize the benefits of that organization and brought disparate units together like parking and different operational units, housing, dining, trademark licensing, bookstores, town gown relationships, and created an organization that benefited not only the university, but the town as well. So that's so interesting because a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are highly creative individuals. Many of them work in either they lead or they work in organizations that are a little bit more stringent. And so sometimes we can feel like that creativity is stifled, but really 
you brought this like world of, you know, this juxtaposition together where there's this creative organization in kind of a more structured environment. Can you talk to me a little bit about what the word dynamic means to you in that space? And just like in general, like, you know, how can someone who's creative really function to the highest level sometimes in in those environments? It takes confidence and Mm -hmm. it takes support from the top, but it's really taking risks and it's really reaching out to others. You know, the textbook definition of dynamic is a process or system that's characterized by, you know, constant change, activity, and progress. It implies, the word dynamic implies that there's energy, that there's positive things happening, that there's creativity going on, and most importantly, probably, that there's adaptiveness. It's about adapting. It's not create uh, the word dynamic is not passive it's constantly changing and that really transitions nicely to organizations because organizations as we all know either change grow or die and we there's many examples of organizations that were very prominent in their day and didn't adapt and didn't change so it's a it's a way it's a mindset It's a way of looking at the organization. You know, there was a time when coping with change was what we were all thinking about. And then that evolved into leading change. That's not enough. You have to be dynamic. You can't just cope or lead change. You anticipate that change and then move the organization in a way that you can adapt and be successful for that change. So many times, and I'm going to use our agency as an example, because I would love for you to dive a little deeper into the traits and values of dynamic organizations. Sure. So many times our agency is sought out as a dynamic solution. Either, you know, a client will have an internal marketing shakeup or they want new campaigns or or they want whatever. And it can be a difficult transition because even though they seek this, um, they hope to be adaptable and they're seeking an external source for it, there still is that like resistance. Can you educate us a little bit more on what you feel are the most important traits and values of dynamic organizations? Absolutely. And, And you described the dilemma. Organizations want to adapt, want to be dynamic, but aren't built in a way that they can be dynamic. There's many traits that are necessary. The first one, I believe, is to know and understand your stakeholders or your customers. And I mean, really know them. Get in their shoes, you know, go to where they are. In my instance, we, we had advisory groups of students, staff, and faculty. We were responsible for housing and dining, so we provided staff the opportunity to eat for free in the dining hall. We also required chefs to not serve anything that they hadn't tasted. Mm, interesting. So you need to put yourself in the shoes of your customer and really know who they are, what their stresses are, what Mm -hmm. their needs, what pressures are on them, 
And how can you not only meet their needs, but partner with your stakeholders and customers so that they actually are partners in your organization for success, that they work with you to have a successful organization. Very interesting. We develop a lot of user journeys here, and I think it's exactly what you're talking about in terms of just better understanding. I mean, one of the our main studies and research is understanding the user's uh, frustration, because truly, if you are utilizing marketing as a means for a solution, there is no solution without the identification of a problem, right? So we go through that uncovering frustrations all the time in order to develop and process dynamic solutions. So, so far on track, Paul, so far. Excellent. <laughs> Another trait is that organizational leadership must really believe in and demonstrate shared leadership mm. and push authority down the organization, especially during crisis. It's very easy to say, we're a team, we're pushing responsibility down when everything's going well. When the wheels fall off, that's the real test. And that's when members of the organization really learn, is this for real or is this just lip service? When mm. things go wrong, when people make mistakes, does the organization spend time trying to find out who the culprit was, you know, and, and cast blame? Or is the focus on the learning opportunity that takes place to be able to solve the problem, immediate problem, and learn from it, and then use that learning to avoid issues in the future? That's the real test. That's where the rubber hits the road, and you can't fake that. Mm -hmm. Leadership has, has to prepare themselves for when things go awry, to understand how you respond to that is sending a message to the organization and to your customer. How do you simulate things? I mean, I guess, does that make sense to have sort of a fire drill for teams in situations where things go wrong? Or is that, is that too much? No, that's, that's, that's the idea, to mm -hmm. be prepared for when that happens. So when you plan, part of the scenario of planning is what, what could go wrong. What we used to do was every three months, we had a risk assessment mm -hmm. for our whole organizational plan. And we broke it down into financial risks, reputational risks, institutional risks. What is the worst thing that could happen? You know, in our situation, it would be something that would adversely affect students and certainly student lives. So, you know, that could would be the worst case scenario. Something else that could happen is we could upset an alumnus and, you know, they call the president and, and there's issues. But you need to anticipate. And when you anticipate what could go wrong, you then plan a reaction possible solution. And again, that's got to be adapted because there's internal factors and there's external factors. But more you can prepare staff for anticipating things going wrong, the less that probably would happen. 
And another thing that creates success is pushing responsibility down to your frontline staff, to empower people on the front line, to be able to, to have the authority to make decisions and make changes. I don't know if you're familiar with Danny Meyer. Danny uh, ran several successful restaurants in New York City and created uh, Shake Shack franchise. And Danny empowers frontline staff with the authority to make decisions on the spot to support customer satisfaction. He calls his frontline staff people customer advocates. Mm. Role of the frontline or the, the wait staff is to satisfy the customer through the organization with which they're part of. So they're empowered to make changes to the menu and to make other changes that will satisfy the customer. And that then sets up an effect where the chef might have to change a dish on the fly, but they're prepared to do that because they understand that the waiter is the advocate for the customer. And if they make those changes, then the customer is satisfied. I'll give you another example. At Princeton, in the dining services, we had increasing uh, cost of goods and waste increasing in the dining halls. And we really didn't understand why that was happening. So we had a meeting and had a, actually had a reception for all of the dish room staff. And the dish room staff are the folks who take in the trays and scrape the plates and, and wash the dishes. And we had a reception with them and we talked about their ideas and what they thought, why they thought that was happening. Turns out the dining halls were all you can eat and students were taking a lot of food, more than they could eat, and throwing good food away. And the dish room staff reported that to us. We challenged them to come up with a uh, uh, solution and they uh, came up with signage that we put out in the dining hall. And again, it's all you can eat. It says, please take whatever you like. Wow. Please eat whatever you take. And consumption went down 20%. Really interesting. And it empowered students to be part of the solution. Mm. Then we started to publish the pounds of waste and trash that each dining hall generated. And over a semester, whichever dining hall had the lowest waste, we threw them a taco party during study hall for exams. And again, that was a way of empowering our customers to help us be successful. Wow. Those are really fantastic examples. You know, I feel like that's something that we can all work on in terms of the autonomy and the ability that we pro provide those who work for us, those that we lead that, you know, and when it's not necessarily the right decision, are you ready to back up that decision that was made in the moment? And again, learning from that whole experience. But what's also essential or a dynamic organization is that you have the right people. Yeah. Hire the right people, that you build a decentralized and tightly aligned cross-functional teams throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. The right blend of people. You need the, the right talents for people to be successful and to work together. And 
also what's important is not only to encourage the formal organization, but the informal organization, that people can learn from each other, that people can share mm. their experiences so that, you know, someone doesn't have to make all the mistakes learn from by doing, they can learn from others' mistakes. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very important. And again, it builds relationships and trust. Well, and trust is everything. And, you know, I think that segues really well into transparency. We talk about transparency a lot on our team in terms of like, don't be the individual that holds on to information just so that you're the only one who knows it, right? So sharing that and just being super transparent not only creates trust, but it fosters this environment for collaboration, which is what we really need in our work. There's been a false notion that, you know, if you keep information to yourself, that's keep that, that you have the power. Right. The true power is sharing information and being collaborative with others and being seen as someone who people can go to mm -hmm. information and for support. That's power. You lead because people want to follow you. People right. want to be associated. One of my first jobs in higher education, I worked for someone who would continually tell all of us, you know, I'm the boss. And I think it took me about a year to finally get the courage together to say to him, you know, if you have to tell me you're not the boss, you're right. in charge, you're not leading, you know. You know, my grandmother says something very similar to that. She says, if you have to tell everyone you're a lady, you're not. <laughs> there you go. It's true. <laughs> grandmother's very wise. She's super wise. That's why this company is named after her. <laughs> very wise. She's the super, she's super wise. Okay. So what can we do? Like, what do we need to avoid as leaders? How do we need to, to act so that we are encouraging the cultivation of a dynamic organization? The most important thing is be true to what you say. And Make sure that what you do is consistent with what you say, because you can lose credibility very mm. quickly. And once you lose credibility, you're done. Yeah, it just takes a moment, right? You can build for years and it only takes a moment. Exactly, exactly. And that's why you need to continually think about it. It needs to be on your mind. And it needs to be part of who you are. And if you make a mistake, and if you slip up, then you admit it, you know? And it, that's leading by example as well. Mm. All about leading by example. And, and be true to it. Yeah. Could you give us one last thing, Paul? Because yeah. one last thing. What can we do right now to be successful within our organizations? It's to think about where you want to go and how you're going to get there and understand that it takes everyone on the same page. And you've got to, you know, be accustomed to operating in a constant state of change and evolution. A dynamic organization, you know, has to have the capability to adapt without disrupting existing operations. You can't fall apart, mm -hmm. can't go to pieces. You've got to keep it together and you got to keep moving forward. 
It takes a strong and confident leader to create a dynamic organization. But trust me, the result is well worth the effort. Well, this was obviously the wisdom I needed today. Thank you. That's very Thank you. Thank you, Paul. So is it okay if people have questions for you? Because I know that they're going to have questions for you. They can email us here at hello at francisroy.com and we'll pass them to you for a little bits of wisdom. Love to respond. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Paul. There are so many nuggets of wisdom there. Uh, We appreciate your time. Thank you, Chantel. You're welcome. And for everybody who's listening, I don't know about you, but I think I could listen to Paul every day, at least once a week, but there's so much great information there. If you have questions, please email us. We're also going to be putting some little snippets together so that you can share Paul's wisdom with your social audiences throughout the week. And we can all just get through this thing that we call leadership and learning together. Thanks for listening.